Some of you folks come up to me and said, you can't leave town anymore. Bible study was entirely too quiet. <laughs> Bible study was entirely too quiet. Now, what was that? What did they mean by that? What are you laughing at? Right? We're, we're not going to have this. I'm a guest. Uh, Labor Day was established in 1882. A federal U.S. holiday celebrating the first Monday in September. And if you study closely, you'll discover that it used to be a Sunday included. Now, we take the whole weekend, but now it's Monday, Labor Day. But Sunday was a special day because they wanted the spiritual aspects of our nation included. It honors and recognizes the American labor movement, works, and contributions of laborers to the development and achievements of the United States. I guess that means you don't get to celebrate if you're not a hard worker. Uh, so with so many jobs available and so few people willing to go to work, even for good pay, I thought we should all get together, pass a petition, and start a lazy day holiday. What do you think? Well, I got on Google. I'm not great with computers, but I go on it. It's too late. August 10th of every year, you can Google it and find out of yourself is Lazy Day. I'm going to see if anybody's pulling out your phones to check. Check it after the service, would you? Uh, I, so, uh, in jo John 6, 27 to 29, uh, there's some things about the church and the body of Christ where a lot of people, when you ask them if they know the Lord or they walk the Lord, they serve the Lord, they love the Lord, uh, they'll say, well, I do this, I do that. And they uh, tend to lean upon their works. And so uh, if you want to follow along with me, John 6, 27 to 29, Jesus is talking and he says, labor not for the meat which perishes, for the meat, labor for the meat, which endures to everlasting life. And you know, it's the strangest thing. You know, I eat, my wife will do some cooking, and I'll eat. And, and yesterday we had all kinds of snacks during the Penn State game. And, and uh, I, I ate, and I'm trying to be real careful, but you know, a half hour later I was hungry again. And I find you realize that we're never full when it comes to this kind of thing. Uh, so I'm looking at this scripture, and we're laboring for the things, the meat that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For he is the one that God the Father has sealed. So the people said to him, the disciples and all these folks are gathered around, what shall we do to do the work of God? Jesus answered, he said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him who he has sent. And I will tell you that there are times in life, you know it as well as I do, where believing is very hard work. It's hard labor. Hard labor used to be what was called when you uh, got in trouble for breaking the, uh, the law and you were sent to prison on hard labor. I don't know that there's any hard labor going on in prisons anymore. But uh, 
there's hard labor that Christians or those who would find the Lord must do, and that hard labor, according to Jesus, is believing. It's believing. Uh, believing can be hard work when it's all falling apart. And you know the word believe in the scripture doesn't mean just to mentally believe, right? You, you know that, don't you? It means to rest in, to rely on, depend upon, to lean on. And I was supposed to warn you folks in the back that I'm going to be moving a little bit. Uh, Pastor Jason stands right here. I don't know how he does it. Pastor Joe, uh, I remember a day when he was all over the place. And now with cameras, you, you got to stay right there, look right in the cameras. But I'm going to be moving for just a minute. So if you can follow me, if not, follow my voice. Am I able to walk down to the front for just a minute? When I was sitting here earlier, and I was, I was playing with the band, and just some folks were coming in, and you know, I never realized until today what crazy people those lead guitarists are. But, uh, but what happens is, whenever you came into church this morning, I did not see one of you walk over to your bench, watch over to your pew, and check it out. And say, is this thing going to hold me? Not one of you did it, did you? Nope. You come in and you flop down. And I'm realizing and I'm thinking, if we had that kind of faith in Jesus, we'd change the world. If we had that kind of faith in Almighty God, we could change everything. But you know what? We'll trust the pew. You'll trust your car. Uh, you'll trust your TV to turn on. You'll trust all these things in your life. And it comes to trust in God. You'll say, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I think that's a lot because the world attacks us and because the enemy attacks us and tries to make us think, oh, you're never going to get this accomplished, never going to get this done. And when we were singing that song earlier, I don't know how your mind works, but the song that we were singing, heart, Our Heart on Fire... Uh, let, let the fire burn within us. Uh, you know, it was a couple of years ago, we went up to uh, my father-in-law's cabin in the Allegheny Forest, and my wife loves a fire. Every night she wants a fire, and that's fine. And it was dark the one evening I went out, and I was getting ready to make the fire, walking around the fireplace, and I tripped. And when I describe it, I say, it felt like somebody pushed me. And I fell down into the fire. Some of you know this story. I fell down into the fire. Uh, the, it was all soft ash on top. But underneath, it was still red hot. And I, I, I pushed myself up, and immediately the hand started burning. And it started blistering right away. The whole hand. You guys that play guitars, you will know that when you burn yourself, if you've ever burnt yourself, I had a little burn on my leg that hurt for a month. I had a little burn right here changing the oil in the, uh, the weed eater. And I, I burnt that and it hurt for a couple of weeks. And the marks are still there. Scars are still there. But my hand was totally blistered. I ran into the, the trailer. I put my hand under cold water. And Sue said to me, honey, what's wrong? And I said, I fell in the fire. And my hand was all white and blistered. Everything. And the fingertips 
And uh, long story short, we drove to Warren, Pennsylvania, 1130, uh, 12 o'clock at night. They cleaned it up for me. It was burning like crazy. They gave me a pill, took care of some of the pain. And they gave me two pills, and they said, you'll have to find a drugstore in the morning in the Allegheny Forest to, to, to help you with the pain. And I'm thinking, well, this is a bad burn. I've had little burns that were awful. This is going to be bad. And we're praying to have our hearts set on fire, right? So anyhow, I got back. We drove back to Chambersburg. We, we canceled everything. We go, go, drove back to Chambersburg. Next morning, I oh, forgive me. So that night, I, Sue went into our trailer. I went into her dad's. I said, well, I'm not going to be able to sleep. I fell asleep. I woke up about, uh, it must have been about 3 o'clock, and I looked at my hand, all blistered. It was all white. And, and I said, uh, well, it's not hurting yet. I'm not sure what's going on. I said, Lord, I'm not going to be playing any guitar. Lord, I won't be doing any projects for a while. But I know there's one thing I can do with these hands. I can still praise you. And uh, I want you to know I fell back asleep. I woke up in the morning. Sue came in and said, honey, how's your hand? I said, babe, the pain has not come back. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. And so I was looking at this, and I was, I'm thinking, man, as we're singing that song, I'm seeing the burning bush that Moses is standing in front of, and it's not consumed. And all I can think, this does not always happen, folks. I, one of the people in the church, I shared that testimony, and they said, well, that's how God works. I said, oh, really? I've had kidney stones for 25 years, and God has not intervened and stopped my kidney stone attacks. I've been rolling on the sidewalk in front of the Salvation Army, not known, in such pain. But God took that pain away, and you know what? Two weeks later, I was playing my guitar. Couldn't believe it. I was shocked. And so, was that a miracle? Yes. Will God do a miracle every time? No. Sometimes he wants us to trust, but I had made up my mind that I was going to praise him regardless, right? And that's our problem. We praise him when it's going good, but we forget him when it's not. And so in this, uh, if you would follow along, uh, John 3, 16. And I'm, I have it written down here, but I want to read it straight out of the scripture. Uh, I'm not one who's really good with my, my cell phone and pull all this stuff up, stuff up and read it. I like it right here in front of me, and I like writing in, this, writing in this book and making notes in this book. So I'm going to start reading it, John 3, 16. You know that scripture, God so loved the world, right? Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Whoever believes, relies on, depends upon, rests in, leans on, right? And they're not checking it every time to see if it works. He's God. Amen. They're not coming in, checking the pew. They're not coming in and, and testing to see if, if it works or not. No. Uh, Lord, I'm going to love you and serve you whether you raise me up or not. I'm going to love you and serve you and praise you whether you heal the hand or not. I'm going to love you and serve you. Lord, King, you may have control of whether I go in the furnace and our God's able to deliver, but whether, whether he delivers or not, I will not bow down to you. I will not serve you and your gods. Everybody else can do it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come to condemn. 
He that believes on him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So believing in the name. And this is the condemnation. Light come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now when you're putting this scripture up, don't jump ahead of me. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light and they will not come to the light lest their deeds should be reproved. That's why a lot of people will start off reading this word and they get, go through and they, they're checking out some scripture and they're finding all the scripture and convicting them and they're saying, well, I don't want to read that. Tell me, you help me. What's the opposite of doing evil? Yell it out. Doing good, doing right, okay? Listen to what Jesus says. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. God, I come to the light. I want to do truth. God is not looking for do-gooders because there aren't any. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. I'm jumping ahead of you. Sorry, I can't. Forgive me for that. <laughs> Listen, you hear the term do-gooders, and it's not a compliment. Oh, they're just a do-gooder. Somebody calls you a do-gooder. It's a slam. You almost want to do something bad to prove them you're not a do-gooder. It's true. We don't want people looking down their nose at us. We want them to like us. We want them to befriend us. Not, never realizing that to be friends with the world is to be an enemy with God. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. Manifest them all, Lord. Manifest them all. Now, it's interesting. So here, God is looking for do-truthers, not do-gooders. Because the opposite of doing evil is doing good in the situation when it comes to getting saved. But if you would look with me to John 5, 28 and 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves will hear his voice. Somebody say amen. The elder in the graves will hear his voice. Mom, you know this, Joe, better than I do. My mom, you knew my mom. It, all that are in the graves will hear his voice. And I just have to believe, if you read through the whole scripture, that those who love the Lord already know him, already see him, already are in his presence. And so as I evaluate this, here, don't lose your place. Now I know, Joe, I use notes. And you remember the day, some of you may remember this. And I would come up after the message and pull Joe's notes out of the trash. I would, he didn't know it, but I was preaching his messages all over the eastern United States. <laughs> and that's the only good thing now about these cameras. Because I can like take all the notes, get it all down. I've missed something when I was sitting here. But boy, when I go back home, I'd, I'd get it all down. I'd go out. They'd say, Major Walter, great preaching. Thank you so much. 
And with all deceivable, Satan is showing all powers and signs and lying wonders. We've been studying that on Sunday night. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they received not the love of the truth. So it's not just hearing the truth. It's not just coming in on Sunday morning and hearing a good word. Oh, Pastor Joe, Pastor Jason, what a great message. And walk out and not do it. It's why the scripture says be doers of the word and not hearers only. So what we do is important. And Jesus shows that right here. Because they not received not the truth that they might be saved. In verse thir- and then in 13, for chapter, verse 13, God from the beginning has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. God works by the Holy Spirit and your work by believing. And that scripture in John 5 there Verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth those that have done good Wait a minute, I thought there was none to do with good. No, not one. Oh, once we're born again, And the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we start doing the works of God, the works of the Holy Spirit. The works are good, not because you did them, but because God, the Holy Spirit, changed you and changed the works you did. The the way you acted, the way you spoke, the people who you get into a conversation with and every every other word is a curse word. I remember those days and God changed me. And what happens? I don't speak that way anymore. And what happens when uh, somebody does something I don't like and we're going down the highway and we're making all kinds of gestures? Some of us ought to take those fish symbols off our cars. I love Jesus bumper stickers. And we're cutting people off. You know, it comes down to the nitty-gritty. We're Christians when we come to church and we're out playing basketball and we act totally different on the basketball court. It can't be, friends. No, no, it can't be. Oh, yeah. So in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're reminded, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Or, and let me ad lib here and even be tempted to brag they did it themselves. I was having a real tough time. At one point, I was having, going through a real down time in our last city that we lived in. And I remembered that somebody had said, if, any, if God has ever asked you to write, if, to write a book, if somebody said write a book, the subject you choose would be the thing that is one of your favorite subjects. And I love the study of the wilderness. And if you would... Uh, Bear with me here and follow along with this. Exodus 7, 21. Exodus 7, 21. And you don't mind waiting for me to turn to it, do you? Moses had turned the water to blood in Egypt. All the water has been turned to blood. 
And the fish that were in the river died, and the river stunk, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land. And the magicians of Egypt did the same things, did so with their enchantments, and the Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to this also. And I know there will people, be people who walk out of here today and they'll set their heart to the Word of God and set their heart to what's been spoken. And there are folks who will walk out the door today and you ask them five minutes later what the message was about and they have not set their heart to it. They don't care. And so in this, and I had never seen this before, and this is where I get the title for this message. I'm moving again. Now, if any of you have long sleeves, this is what I want you to do. Loosen your tie. Joe, I didn't know you won't do that because you look, always look good and you want to look proper. Your son preached that last week about preferences, right? And roll up your sleeves because there's some work to be done. Uh-huh. We use that as a symbol of somebody who's getting ready to do some hard work my wife gets mad at me because I do my best work in suits I remember here I had my uniform on one day we went out and picked up sod and we laid a, st a street length of sod while I was in my uniform I think I ruined every piece of clothing I had on uh, here's the verse that I had never seen in all these years so Pharaoh turned and went into his house. He did not set his heart to this. All the Egyptians went out digging around the river for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the river, and seven days were fulfilled after the Lord had smitten the river. So they go out, and they're digging. Like you. You get up in the morning. Some of you have to get up at five in the morning. Some of you don't have to get up till seven. Some of you don't work till the late shift. But you grab your lunch and you grab your shovel and you go out and you dig. And you dig for eight hours. Some of you, ten hours. Teresa, I know they work you hard. <laughs> and then you pack up your shovel and some of you go over to another spot and dig over there for four more. And as I read this scripture, and as it come alive to me, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, I am the living water. And if all you are trying to do is avoid what I have caused, what I have brought, if that's all you're trying to do, you can dig for seven days or 70 years and you won't find it. And that's why you know people, and I do too, have dug and worked hard all their lives and never find what they're looking for. Amen. Oh, they have a nice house, a couple nice cars. Uh, they, well, they got it made, season tickets to the Buckeyes, and they're still empty. Yeah. And I look at this and I say, 
Uh, and when I was getting ready to preach this message, the Lord brought this alive to me. And when he did, I was so excited. I was loaded for bear. I had my shovel ready, forgot to take it. Didn't forget it this morning. And so we went into the church. I preached this. And I called it empty wells. And so all these people are digging. Well, then, it's interesting because when we got into uh, the church, one of our teachers, great lady, uh, she is teaching a class on uh, the Lord, pre-incarnate Lord, comes to visit Abraham and Sarah with two angels. Remember that story? And they go in there, and this is the background for this in Genesis 19. As they, they go in there, Jesus won't go in to that city because it's so evil, but the angels go in, and the men of the city want to have relations with the angels. And they come, and they are trying to get into the house. They're trying to get into the house. Lot, send them out. And he says, don't do this evil thing. I'll read it and start at verse 4. The, the men of the city compassed the house, both old and young, people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said to him, Where are the men that came in this night? Bring them out that we may know them. And Lot went out the door and shut the door after him. And he said, I pray, I beg you, brothers, do not this wickedness. Behold, now I have two daughters who have never known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out to you and do to them what is good in your eyes. What father would do that? And yet we got fathers every day who are doing that in the spirit. I remember a woman that came to our shelter when we lived here in Zanesville and we were working there. And I remember that when I heard her whole story, the hair stood up in the back of my neck and I've seen my share of evil. But this woman was telling us that her parents sold her into prostitution when she was 11. And I'm looking at that and I'm saying, oh my God, what father, what mother would do that? They came under my roof for safety. Stand back, they said again. This fellow came into sojourn and we, will need, we will, won't, don't need a judge. Now we'll deal with worse with you than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break down the door. But the men put forth their hand, the angels, pulled Lot into the house and shut the door. And they smote the, them that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. And I had never seen this before in years and years of reading this scripture. So they wearied themselves to find the door. And while she was teaching this class, she wasn't even on this. I had read ahead. And I was looking at this and I said, they wearied themselves to find the door. And I'm preaching on empty wells and digging and finding no water. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, oh my goodness. And the Lord said to me, I am the door. I am the door. And if you are only looking to do evil, if your heart is not right, it doesn't matter how many times you come to this altar. It doesn't matter how many times you call on God. If your desire is evil and you've made up your mind, you're not going to change. You're not going to give the Lord control of your life. You will weary yourselves to find that door. And Jesus said to me, you, 
if all you're looking to do is evil, you will never find the door. You won't find it. Why? Why is this? Why is the Lord saying this? Because of, of their evil. They weren't willing to change. They didn't want to change. They would not listen to anybody. And the hard work is not just believing. Sometimes the hard work is doing what you know is right and you don't do it. And so it's interesting because, and I won't read the whole verse, but it's interesting in Isaiah 57, 17. Yes, I will read the whole verse. Pull it up. Isaiah 57, 17. You got it? Or did I not give you that one? Oh, there it is. For the iniquity of his covenants was, was I angry, was I wroth, and I smote him. I hid me. Stop there. God is looking and saying, because of their iniquity and because of the covetousness, you angered me because you wouldn't change. Nothing could change you. There's a smoting that comes. He says, I hid myself. I was in my anger. And he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. Wait a minute. I thought God wanted to be found. All my life when I'm, I was listening to preachers, they said, God wants to be found. In fact, he wants to find you. He's not the one who's lost. But, but I'm looking at this and I'm saying, wait a minute. In this scripture, and there's others that you can look up yourself. But there's, in these scriptures, he says, I hid me. I hid myself. Your sins have come between you and your God. That your face, it, you cannot see him. His face is hidden. And as I look at that, go Buckeyes. As, as we're, uh, just a little funny story. One day, one day I was preaching and I was right at the end and it was right at the, a, a crucial time and this phone rang. And I said, I'll answer that. Give me that phone. And I was walking up and down the aisle. I said, give me that phone. And they were hesitated, and the lady, finally, I said, here, give it to me, I'll answer. She gave me the phone, I flipped, it was a flip phone, you know this was years ago. I said, why aren't you in church? <laughs> and I handed the phone back. I bet she didn't call anymore on Sunday morning. <laughs> For the iniquity of his covenants, I was angry, I was wroth. And I smote him, and I hid me, and I was wroth. And he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. And oftentimes, that's our choice. And God hides himself from us if the intents of our heart are evil. I will try to draw this to a close. Isaiah 64, 7. There's none that calls upon thy name. There's none who stirs himself up to take hold of the Lord. For you have hid your face from us and you've consumed us because of our iniquity. So what, did it, what is it that we have to do? We have to love the truth, seek the truth, stir ourselves up so that when you are down, when you are at school, young people, and that your classmates are hassling you and giving you a problem and you're thinking, oh, woe is me. All the, my friends are getting down on me. You stir yourself up and say, I'll serve God even if I have to do it alone. Right. I will be faithful to God no matter what. 
I will do it. I, there may be no others that stir themselves up and call on thy name, but I will. And you may have to sometimes do it through tears. But you're still going to do it. Because you're going to remember the truth that God wants folks who are willing to stir themselves up in the truth and stir themselves up to serve Him. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that when a man found it, he hides it, and for the joy, I love that song that we sang earlier, the joy, right? It's a great song. And as he, and he, as he found that, he's filled with joy. A million bucks! Wow! And if you went out today and you found a million bucks somewhere, you'd be, say, do I need to shout this out? Or, or do I need to take it down to the police station? And so you find this great treasure. And where's this treasure going to be found? Many of you have found it right here. Many of you have found it right here. Many of you have found it from each other. Where am I going to find this? And what am I going to do when I find it? And for the joy thereof, he goes out and he sells everything. He sells it all. He gets rid of it. Not the guitar picks, I need that. <laughs> he sells it all to go by that field, and now the treasure is his. And what is he saying? He's saying, talking about getting the money? Uh-uh. He's talking about, Jesus is talking about you and I finding relationship with him. Jesus, I just want to know you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Because the world is just blocking it out. And the darkness is closing in. I, got, I need to see you. I've got to see you. To see you high and lifted up in my life. Shining in the light of your glory. The fire burning. In my heart. Not destroying me like that bush Moses was standing in front of. And the, the sooner you realize that when you come to God, he's not calling you to destroy you. He's not calling you to mess up your life. He is calling you to make you what he want, made you to be. He's calling you to help you to be all that he wants you to be. And it starts here. And it starts in the fellowship. It starts in the church. And it starts in the word. And so I encourage you here today. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's Jeremiah. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And then Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. I want you to know, he's near right now. Do you believe it? Yeah. He's near right now. Do me a favor, stand. Stand with me. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. 
I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Well, if you want to see him, you can. And if you truly desire to see him with all your heart, you will. And today, I think that God has something real special. I know that when you are in a service like this, I know that there are many who are doing so well with the Lord. And God is just moving in their lives. And I know that there are many who are just going through struggles that nobody else knows about. And so, Lord, for those today who are blinded, who cannot see your face because of everything else that's going on, open the eyes of their heart, Lord. They want to see you. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. They want to see you. Uh, may I close with one final little illustration, one story. It was here in this church years ago. There was a couple who was att were attending our church. They were living together. And as the story went, uh, they had come to listen to a message one day. Um, and the, the message was on the blessing and cursing of the Lord. And how a lot of times we run back and forth in our seats. We think we're in the seat of blessing, but we're actually in the seat of cursing, and we don't even realize it. So preached this message. They went home. She started packing his clothes. Uh, he said, what are you doing? She said, I'm not going to throw you out, but you're not sharing my bed anymore. So he's sleeping on the couch. The next week he comes to church. Here's a message. He goes home. He starts packing. She says, what are you doing? He says, I'm not going to have you under a curse from God anymore. I'm not going to be responsible for that. I'm moving out. Moved in with his mother. That night, he couldn't sleep. He was a fitful rest, couldn't sleep very well. And he heard a noise, and he thought he was imagining. He heard it again. He went down. His mother was sitting on the bottom step of the stairs having a heart attack. He got her. He called the ambulance. He followed the ambulance to uh, Zanesville Hospital. He ended up uh, come, calling me the next day. Uh, the do doctor had come in, had said to him, five minutes later, and she'd have been dead. And I looked at him and I said, do you realize what your actions did, what your obedience to God did? You saved your mom's life. They would not get married. He was kind of afraid of getting married. After being married for 42 years, I'm afraid of it too. <laughs> I love you, honey. So, <laughs> so anyhow... We were, at the, we were here for a Christmas program, and it was the whole Christmas play, and the angel said, don't be afraid, you know, Joseph, don't be afraid. And so what happens 
is I come down at the, and all kinds of people are just laying on the floor crying out to God. And I remember there, and God brought this couple to mind. And I didn't even know they were, had come to church that night to join with you. We called you our sister church. And I was laying on the floor. I got up and I walked back and there they were. And I said, hey, guys, I didn't know you were here. How are you? I said, God just gave me a word for you. They said, well, okay, what was it? I, said, I looked to him and I said, you are not supposed to be afraid to take her as your wife. He turns and looks at her with this look. And she said, I never said a word. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. What's up? She said, this week I had a dream. I called him first thing in the morning. I said, honey, the Lord gave me a dream. You are not supposed to be afraid to take me as your wife. And he looked at me and he said, Major, when can you do the wedding? If you come up to me today or any of the people who you know here who love the Lord and you say to them, there needs to be a wedding today. Not a quick relationship. Not a two-week fling with God. I want to get married to God. And you know what we'll do? We'll perform the wedding right here. And then you can be one. And not like the world's idea of like when it gets tough, forget you, I'm out of here. No, we're one. I'm going to be one with God and one with this body. I want to thank you for allowing me to have this pulpit today, to share this pulpit. I am honored. I love this family and feel like a part of it. Uh, you guys have a great day in the Lord. I was, we're not going to call the band back up, right? We're good. But uh, we sang the song again. So just be singing that all day. Open the eyes of my heart. Lord Jesus, I just pray your blessing upon all the people this morning. From the youngest to the oldest, your spirit would fall powerfully upon us and help us to obey you in every situation, every circumstance. We want you to be pleased, to be proud of us. And so we yield our hearts to you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Have a great day. Openly. Verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Simply states this. Because it's so simple, don't dismiss it. It is everything. It means everything. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. The Christian, the person who's supposed to know better because of the Word of God, because of the indwelling of the Spirit of Almighty God, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That word walk means to regulate one's life, to conduct one's life. We are to live by faith. Your decisions, your life, everything that we do, your, how you uh, go about raising children, having a family, making decisions. It is a walk of faith to regulate one's life. That's what this word walk means, to conduct oneself. How? By faith and not sight. This is essential or you will sink in these last days. That word faith simply means conviction of truth. Do you have that conviction of truth? 
Or you just, yeah, whatever. You just attend a church. You never really bit into it. So you have to walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 10.38 tells us, now the just, those of us who are justified, justified by faith, justified never sin. Remember, because you ask for forgiveness and you're cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God considers you justified. And then he tells how us justified people are to live. So this is telling you, if you are declaring to be a child of God, born again by the Spirit of Almighty God, bowed your heart and knee before God, it's telling you how you must live. And you do not have a better plan than God. You don't. It says, so now the just shall live by faith. And then it goes on and says, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, you can't draw back unless you went forward. So if you are believing God and now drawing back, God is saying, you know what? I have no pleasure in what you're doing. I'm not amused by how you're acting, God says. So now the just shall live by faith. Live. Be among the living and not the dead is what that word means. Now listen to this. Matthew 9, 2 says this. Ruth and I was discussing this uh, verse a couple days ago. It says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus seeing their faith. Do you know faith can be seen? It's what it says. Do you read it? It's in your book, up on the screens. It's in the Bible. Jesus seeing their faith said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus saw the faith of his friends, not of the paralyzed man. He probably didn't even know where he was and what was going on. But Jesus saw those who were convinced of the truth in the word of God, bringing the sick. Jesus saw their faith. In this horrible situation, their faith was active enough to take apart the ceiling and the roof because they lowered the man down to get him to Christ, to get him to Jesus. And Jesus, seeing their faith, moved in that situation. So faith can be seen. Question is, does God see faith at New Hope? Is our faith active? Are we assured or convinced or convicted of it so much that Christ sees it in action? Stumbled across this little short paragraph by some uh, preacher, and I want to read it to you. It says, the enemy, this is what's happening to us. The enemy opposes the children of God by keeping God's people convinced that they are less than they are. The enemy's doing that to you and to me. I fight that battle every time I prepare a message. Even a message like this, I'm like, how can I preach a message like that? That should be someone with greater authority and power than me. 
So the enemy opposes the children of God by keeping God's people convinced that they are less than they are. In Exodus chapter 1 and verse 9, the worldly king, the worldly king acknowledged that the children of Israel were indeed greater in number and might than those in Egypt, which is a type of the world. Even the worldly king saw it. He said, man, them dudes ever get it together. They are one powerful group. The worldly king saw what was going on, and he said, they're way more powerful than the world. He's talking about you and I. Yet this plan was to make them believe the opposite. What's going on in our nation now, the constant thumping of the Christian, of your rights, all the news, a type of psychological warfare. This plan is to make them believe the opposite, lest they rise up in their God-given power and authority and become free and active in their faith. Keep them suppressed. Don't let them begin to believe. Some more bad news. Now another variant. And there'll be another virus. And there'll be another mandate. And there'll be another to smother your active faith in Christ. Not in America. Forget that. In Jesus. So this is that type of psychological warfare the enemy employs the same tactic against you and I today. You? Come on, you! The enemy suggests that we're marginalized. We have no oomph, no power, no clout. We're insignificant. It's what the world declared us. And I wonder if we buy that and believe it. We're smaller in number, weaker in power. That's what they keep telling us over and over. The media ridicules those who believe in righteousness and truth, mock us every time they can. They say that Christians are losing their influence, churches are closing. Times we hear that over and over. And we believe this because we're walking by sight, not by faith. <laughs> we are. Is Jesus Christ still alive? Is he still alive? Or has he been beaten to a pulp like you? Is he sitting on his throne right now with absolute power? All power has been given unto me. The word of God says. Is that in you? Or is that being beat out of you? Don't buy the lie. But I think we're buying it. We're buying it because the way we act. How we are. Our weapons are still mighty in God for the pulling down of wicked strongholds. We have that ability, a greater ability than any president in the United States ever had. You and I have it, but it's been thumped and beat. You've been ridiculed and mocked and made fun of. So you just stay in line, walk by sight and not by faith. Listen to this statement about the people of God. 
That's me and you. Listen to this statement. Psalm 78, 41 says, yes, oh yes, they turned back and tempted God and limited the one, the Holy One of Israel. You and I are. How? How do we do that? Look at 42. They did not remember his power. Are you remembering God's power in this dark time in our country? I don't know if we are. Do you understand his robe, his hands, his hair drip with power? Your God, your Lord, your Jesus. If he looked into your eyes, would he see that? Would he see that faith in your eyes? Paul preaching, perceiving that they had faith. He saw it. Mm. I think we walk by sight. We are limiting Christ. We are limiting Jesus when we walk by sight. So, man, that government, what can we do? All those band-aids. What's the use? Why try? Wednesday night prayer, just another come on. That's walking by sight. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. And you have a link to that. You have an in to all power. But you've been the slop kicked out of you, beat someone. You don't believe it. We don't believe it, the church, or we would gather and roar in Jesus' name. But we say a few, our fathers and whatever. Psalms 29, 4 says, The voice, just the voice of your Savior is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty when he speaks. Eh, yeah. I've heard that before. Genesis 1-3, and God said, Let there be light. Boom! Light shows. That's your Jesus. Where'd that go in us? And we're worried about another mask mandate or another virus. Anything to distract us. Genesis 1.9 says, and God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together unto one place. Oceans. Massive oceans that a lot of you jumped around and frolicked in just the edges of this massive ocean that God commanded to gather in one place. You're frolicking in His power. Don't even know it. As another wave comes and slams you like you're nothing. And we're like, I don't know, this, this country... Yes, you did. Many of you went to the ocean, saw it, played in the power of Almighty God, never even paid attention to it. 
John eleven forty 40 says, Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, if thou wouldst believe. It's not a head nod. Thou wouldst be persuaded. I don't care if I never see it. I'm going to believe it. Persuaded. That's what Jesus said. He said, didn't I tell you, if thou wouldst believe, thou should see the glory of God. We can play in it, the ocean, and not see it. How about Psalms 33, 6? The word of the Lord were the heaven... By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. We have forgotten he's a star-breathing God. We've forgotten it. Because we're going, oh. We've forgotten his power. Just like they did in Psalm 78. We've forgotten it. Don't deny it. Oh, you might go, yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I believe God will do that, sure. Well, then let's lock arms and let's cry out. Let, let, let's see that faith. Second Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.9, how about this one? But we have had the sentence of death in ourselves. Isn't that true? I mean, the sentence, what, what can you do? How many times I've looked at the massive crowd at the fair when we had the fair, and they'd walk by, and I'm just like, God, how, how can I look at them? I mean, they just bump, push around. Lord, how, can I reach all these people? 100,000 people in stadiums yesterday all over the place. The sentence of death in ourselves. Isn't it true? We can't do a darn thing without God. We can't. But look what this says. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. God wants you to feel like that. He does. He wants you to be overwhelmed because it says this, but in God which raises the dead. That's who you should be putting your faith in. Not us. Oh, we can reach those people with Buckeye State. No, you're not going to reach them. No matter what we do, how many Sputniks we put up there, how many TVs, it's in the power of God. It's putting your faith and assurance and your, and your belief that God's going to do something beyond what I have the ability to do through me, with me, without me. It doesn't matter. He's going to do it. The sentence of death in ourselves Oh, man, and the only reason is so that we'd stop trusting in ourselves. Oh, if we could just get the churches together. Well, we can't. I thought of that when I was 24, now I'm 72. We're still not together. We can't. The Scripture points it out, but... In God, which raises the dead, that's who the one we start trusting. That's who the one you start putting your faith in when you pray. 
Man, I'm telling you, anybody on your prayer list, if they don't want on the prayer, your prayer list, they should be calling you and begging you, please take me off, take me off. Don't start praying about me. Leave me alone. Seriously. When the gods was marching to the promised land, and they were wiping out everybody that was coming, the people that were next on the list, it says their hearts did melt in them, knowing that the people of God were coming. That's what should happen when you and I say, you know what, you're on my prayer list. No! Seriously. Psalms 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. You have a tap into that. His greatness. You absolutely do. What was it? The Titanic sunk? Biggest ship ever made back then? Took them 70 what? 75 years to find it. How massive God just speak things into existence. Took man 75 years. Where did that go? They still haven't found. Fish and creatures in the ocean they have never even seen yet. Don't even know exist. And God just spoke it. And you and I walk by sight. We do. Shame on us for walking around defeated. You have, every one of you, if you were a believer, every one of you have a cord with a plug on the end of it that'll fit into the power of God right to the throne room. Every one of us. Most of us, it dangles. Some of us, it's in and then it's out. It's in and then someone uh, takes our attention, pop, it pops out. Then you're off trying to win a soccer match or a softball game or a whatever. We have taken our eyes off the Lord's mighty power. We have. We have taken it as a church, as the people of God. And what happens when you take your eyes off of God? You sink. That's what happened to Peter. You sink. Shame on us. We're sinking in the sea of doubt because we're walking by sight and not faith. Don't you understand? You're God's finest in this hour. You're the ones he has called. You're the one that's supposed to start. You're the army of God. And if you looked at our army, they're just milling around. They're saying, I don't know if this is going, I don't know if it were. I, I don't I'm not even going to, I ain't dressing in my blues. I'm not dressing in my whites. I'm not. Matthew 13, 58 says, and he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. That's our problem. God's not out of the works business. We're kind of out of the believing business. We'll nod. You'll agree. Not one of you will come up to me and say, you know I wasn't believing. No, you'll tell me you believe. I tell you I believe. <clears throat> it's truly remarkable that Jesus, the Lord, in some manner, 
is limited by our unbelief. Blows me away. As long as God chooses to work in concert with humans is what he did, right? Adam, the desert, or in the garden. Look at this garden. It's beautiful. Keep it. Guard it. Watch it. It's yours. Adam plugs in for a little bit. Eve goes, Adam. There, the plug's gone, and everything goes. Still doing it today. So as long as God long as God chooses to work in concert with humans to partner with him, our unbelief can and may hinder the work of God. Have we limited the Holy One? Have we? Are you believing God today? Can we just nod our heads and say yes? Can you believe he can still raise the dead? That's in you. Do you believe you can still feel the church overflowing today, no matter what the Antichrist spirit in our country? Do you believe you can still heal the sick, any sickness known to man? I don't care how long he's been sick. Do you believe a revival can truly be a reality? Beyond us, you look at us, you say, dear God, no. Well, you're not supposed to be looking at you or me. I believe he still heals the blind. When's the last time you prayed for the blind? I believe he still gives hope where there is no hope. None whatsoever. I believe he can touch our generation again. I'm tired of looking at the walls of Jericho and reasoning in my mind and saying, oh, man, gee, Chase, I don't know. I didn't know they were this thick. Tired of reasoning, logic, Christianity. I want the supernatural and the powerful Christianity. It's there. I have a plug. It's just dangling. Tired of looking at impossible situations and doubting. First thing in my mind, doubt right off the bat. I don't even have to conjure up doubt. It's just there. Is there ever a first time in your mouth that says, God can do this? Or is it always, no, and I don't think so, and doubt, and negative, I'll try. Man, we need to come to the altar today, this morning, and be moved by faith to trust Almighty God. Believe the Word of God. I don't care if you come and pray and nothing happens. So what? That's not up to me. It's up to you to believe and let God do it. Could be instant. We call that a miracle. Might not be instant, but we know that our prayers go up to our Heavenly Father and He hears us. As long as you stay plugged in. But when you walk by sight, plug falls out. And your belief starts to go... 
just does. It's what happens to us. That's why the world's throwing it. Here's another thing, and here's another one. Here's another mask. Here's another variant of the variant of the variant. Zechariah 4.1 says this, And the angel that talked with me came again and said, Wake me! And he awaked him and said, Get up! That's what we need. We need God to come with a pin like they do to someone who might have numb feet or something. Feel that? Maybe instead of passing out little mustard seeds, I'll pass out straight pins. Come here. Feel this? We're spiritually numb. We are. We're not moved. We're not stirred. His faith connected with my faith should be ten times the faith. Uh, Angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. Now through our life, sometimes one of us wakes up you take a nap, I don't know, 2 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. You wake up, and you're like, man, what day is this? This Sunday? And you're like, what? You just laid down a half hour ago. You just fell in such a deep sleep. You lost. What the, that's what's going on here. That's what's with us. Because of this constant psychological warfare bombing on us, putting us to sleep. And every once in a while we go, we should pray. And the world comes and goes, na, 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 And leaves us. And there's our plug. It's true. If our nation's going down, let's go down swinging. I mean, that's what my dad always told me in ball. I was always little. If I struck out, he didn't get mad unless I stood there and watched the ball. And I got a few of those boots. It didn't go down swinging. So Zachariah had that woozy feeling just like you and I get from a deep sleep. Proverbs 19 tells us, slothfulness casts us into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Is the church hungry? Are we hungry? We're in a deep sleep. Seriously, we are. We just are. Deep sleep means a state of utter indifference. What's it matter if I come on Wednesday? That's indifference. That's apathy. That's not like, oh, two days we're going to get together and we're going to pray. And we're going to come against this filthy spirit that's attacking. We're not doing that. We're going another day? I ain't going another day. I'm not coming. Up. No, not another day. So our swords can't cut spit. They're dull. Now, it's a systematic attack against you. I'm not saying you're a piece of garbage. Uh, maybe I am saying 
Because that's what we are without God. We are. With God, oh my gosh, what we can do. With God, one man is an unbelievable weapon in the hands of God. Not alone a church. The enemy's having his way, isn't he? With our nation. He's having his way. I don't know. It just is. It's the way it is. Well, that's happened before. Hitler did it. He did his finagling. He did his strong-arm tactics. He had a certain crew, his people, that muscled in. Haman did it. It's happened all the time. How many times have you heard this phrase, history repeats itself? Haman approached King Xerxes. This is, uh, I think, New King James, maybe. There's a certain race, maybe it's... uh, New living. There's a certain race of people scattered through all the providence of your empire who keeps themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. We are different than what's being laws are being made. We are choosing to live different than the laws that are being made. There's always been ungodly men making laws. But now this day and age, they're worse than they ever have been. And now they're doing with an agenda. And the church is on that list. It's the same thing. Haman was like the second in command. Who's our second in command? Haman approached King Xerxes. Our king is against it. The second in command is against it. They're trying to pack the courts. They're all against it. They're all against us. Haman approached the king. There's a certain race of people scattered throughout all your providence, of your empire, who keeps themselves separate from everyone else. That's what's happening. Verse 9 said, If it please the king, issue a decree, issue a mandate. that they be destroyed, and I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. Everyone who starts ratting out, we're going to pay. Did you hear in the news? It's not a joke. They're paying. They're going to start paying criminals not to shoot people in San Francisco. Who heard that? Read that? In your life, did you ever think the stupidity would be so blatant? You, good-for-nothing, non-law-abiding, crooked criminal, here's money not to shoot that person. Same thing. The king agreed. The president agrees with the second in command. Confirming his decision by removing his ring from his finger and giving it to Haman, the, the Agite, the enemy of the Jews. The king said, the money and the people are both, both yours. Do with as you see fit. Isn't that what's going on in our nation? We do what we want. 
Well, the Constitution says no, no government, no government, no can come against them. No, remember all that stuff that's supposed to be our protection? They ignored it. They did what they want. So on April 17th, the king's secretaries were summoned and a decree was written exactly as Haman dictated. He ends up writing a mandate to kill all Christians. I wonder how many people in the church or in the t- town in the world at that time said, that would never happen. That's, you're, that's overboard. And then it all starts getting posted all over the land. The king was for it. Haman's second in command was for it. It was sent to the king's highest officers, governors of the respective provinces, nobles of each province in all their scripts and languages. The decree was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with his king's signet ring. And it's told us over and over, history repeats itself. Done deal! There's my ring. What would you do? In Acts, the apostles prayed for God to do supernatural things. I mean, what would you do? Oh, God, stretch out thy hand. They started crying out for supernatural power. When are we going to do that? When are we going to make a top priority? Acts 4.30, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. That's what they were praying for in Acts because they started looking around and saying, hey, you know what? That noose is getting tight around the neck. When you walk by sight instead of faith, you do nothing. I would talk to my dad years and years ago, and I'd say, why? Why Why would all the Jews just run to their death? Why wouldn't they put up a fight? Why wouldn't they do something? Why wouldn't they throw a rock? Something! And we're doing the same thing. And I'm not telling you to go grab your Colt 45 and meet me at the courthouse. I ain't telling you that. You got a better Colt 45. Just dangling. Won't do nothing with it. Spit out more bullets than any. Won't do nothing. Won't plug it in. Walk so much by sight, we're probably going, what is that thing? Some of us don't even believe it anymore. They, you know what? This thing is driving me crazy. I just had it. And get this. God doesn't do stuff like that anymore. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ. It's all I know. I know they have their Dominion voting machines and this thing and that set up and this court has that one and that one's been appointed by all those that are... I know all that. 
For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Amen. I'm not like Cam Newton going like this. And be, no. This is fearful. This is scary. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. This is coming from Paul. It says, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's what's lacking. Oh, we might have pure doctrine, good doctrine. We'll fight for the doctrine. But where's that demonstration? Where's that assurance, that conviction that only God's going to move this mountain and if you come and join with me, we'll cry out to God. Put our boots on, climb that mountain and see what happens. Leave it to God. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Demonstration is a demonstration. It means proof. God says, you want proof? I'll give you proof. And five answers why. Here's why. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the guys who mixed the concrete and made that wall so thick that they could have chariot races on top. And you're going to walk around it like some fool and cry out to this whoever, Jehovah, and it's going to fall down. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm saying, when those folks make your prayer list, they should be calling you and say, no, please, get me off your list. Everything's going crazy. Nothing's working right. Take me off your list. Stop praying for me. I can't enjoy life. Nothing's working. Paul didn't come as a philosopher, politician, or a statesman. He didn't. He came as a witness, the one who testifies. He came and he'll say to you, he said, Chase, I swear to you, I've seen it with my own eyes. I swear on the word of God that I saw this man rise up from the, comes and testifies of the power of God. Like I said, maintaining pure doctrine is important, and we fight for that here. But it's not the whole picture of the New Testament church. The apostles wanted to do more than just hold the fort. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Take the rear, take the lift, just hang on, circle the wagons. They asked God, a bunch of nobodies, fishermen, deniers, cussers. 
they asked God to empower them that they could move out and impact entire cultures. Man, we should be loading up on Wednesday. Today, we're praying for India. We're going to attack India. Clips. Today, we're coming against drugs in our nation. We don't have that assurance in us. Acts again says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Did you see President Biden threaten everybody on the news the other day for the taking the vaccine or mask or whatever it was? Something. I mean, he just, he was hot. Threatening. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants. This is what we got. Oh, they're threatening. We better do our part. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that they may speak the word. That will speak the word. That will cry out the word. We can't do that without God. We can't do that with our plugs dangling. We don't have the guts, the courage, or the, we just don't. It's not a slam. It's just the way we are. We cannot unplug from God. be able to do stuff. You don't have a sword, then the jawbone of a donkey works. Just look around. What's at your house? There's an old busted broom handle. Okay, come on, enemy. Where are you? Where are you? You're plugged in. You'll be bold as a lion. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. That belongs in here. You and I are supposed to be doing this. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Oh, my gosh. Where they were assembled. And what's... What do we do with that? If you're like, eh, don't want to be bothered, we say, you know, that's what God used to do. God did work like that, but he's different now. Even though the Bible says what? God never changes. Yeah, but you talk about Paul and them dudes, man, they had it together. But God says what? I'm no respecter of if Paul was used. Joe can be used. Shauna can be used. Aaron can be used. Kathy can be used. It's the one who has to pluck. Just dangling. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, I don't know. I just can't really. I, I'm just not there. I'm not like that. If, 
if it just, I, I would really like to, but in the name of Almighty God, I'm telling you, whether you believe me or not, this is the way. That's what happens to us. It was Peter going, I don't know the blankety blank. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know that son of a I don't know him. Know him. Boom. Peter stands up and says, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, you killed him. The son of God in the same crowd, what's different? He was plugged in. And that psychological warfare is all to get you to do this. It's just grab your little wifey, close the blinds, lock the doors, buy your dry bananas, sit in a chair and wait. Is that what God tells us to do? They were filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again because it is our boldness, our power, our confidence, our insight in Christ. The experience of Pentecost when they were all baptized with the Holy Ghost was not a one-time experience. Mm -mm. That's why these guys suffered persecution. They ran together in Acts 4 and started praying again. God, give us that boldness. Spirit of God came, place was shaken, and out they went. Back marching for God. You and I must be continually filled with the Spirit of God. Our baptism, our immersion, whatever you want to call it in Him, is a constant experience. Or we will cower. Because the threatenings are coming. Now look, I believe that you do love the Lord. And I believe that us as Americans are being bombarded and overwhelmed with an America we never thought would happen. I told you before and preached it all the time. That's probably going to happen in my son's life. Well, I said, no, I'm still alive. And it's happening. It's in my life. And so, hopefully it's like a hit in the gut. You buckle over. You gasp. You're in the dirt and the dust. You can't go any lower. <gasps> then you finally get your breath. You might stagger. You stand back up, and you start crying out to God. God, I didn't know this would be in my lifetime. Tighten my grip. Let's stand. I think it's just in us as Americans. We've been walking by sight for a long time, even though the Word of God tells us not to. It does. It's told us that forever. This is nothing changed, nothing new that I'm telling you. It's nothing new, but it's just dead in our face now. Things, priorities, stuff has to change. We can go to Wednesday night prayer, and I think we should, and actually I think it should probably be the most attended. 
But we can go there and just do yada 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 and just leave. We have a way of making that which is so powerful common, such such holiness common, such excitement. That's because we're asleep. We're in a stupor. That's what Zachariah was. He says, "Wake up." And start realizing, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing this. We're writing off this hour of this day. We're going to lock arms and we're going to cry out to God with our fellow brothers and sisters. Where's Rodney? Are you around, Rod? lost sight of you. Thank you. Please make your way. Our altar call is simply this. Actually, you might have a great little sight to see these white plugs. Picture nothing but plugs. You have the equipment. You've been told. You've been given the instructions to how all this works. You have the plugs and the power to plug in to the power of God. We'll use this altar representing God and his power, and you coming down, bringing that plug, even if you do that, you ever just so scared to put something in, you're not sure if you're going to get, it's all right, God knows we're but dust, and we're scaredy cats, for real, so God, I don't know how you can use me, but Lord, just, would you, would you use me? And be careful, the enemy right now, the enemy right now is going to keep you from plugging in. It just is. It's what he does. We preach truth, he spreads lies. We try to give light, he comes with darkness. We try to come with hope, he gives doubt. So as they get ready and prepare to sing a song, lead us in worship, I'm telling you, these altars are open. You don't have the ability, you don't have the strength, but God will do it through you. You're in his army. He's the commander. Please. Separate. 